Hey, thanks so much for checking out this episode of Golf Strategy School. Now, I know you're listening because you want to learn how to play better golf. But if you want to see how you compare to other golfers your age, you need to check out parforsuccess.com slash Griffin. That is par, the number four, success.com slash Griffin, G-R-I-F-F-I-N. And what it will do is it will actually give you a free assessment where you can see exactly how you measure up against other people your age. And you can see where you're excelling, where you need to focus your time on. And this is an assessment, honestly, that you can take once a month just to see how you're progressing throughout your golf journey. So again, check out parforsuccess.com slash Griffin to see how you measure up against other golfers your age. Hello, friends, and welcome to a conversation unlike any other, our Sunday Conversations, brought to you by the Golf Strategy Academy and Golf Strategy School. Whoa, hold up. That's all good and fun, but what we're doing here is we're talking to real golfers just like you, people who are struggling with consistency, struggling to break 90, and we are digging deep, finding out what's holding them back, and helping them make a plan towards success and achieving their goals going forward. And with that being said, let's bring on our next guest. Hey, everybody. It's Marty here again, back with another one of our Sunday conversations. This time we are talking with David Hughes, 12 handicap, and he just had his best round ever of 79, which is awesome. He's been in our Golf uh, 101 Break 90 group for a while, and he's been sharing his successes. And he finally broke that barrier of into the, into the 70s now, which is fantastic. Uh, the big frustration in David's game right now is that he's still kind of having some blow-up holes and you know, random shots that kind of get away from him throughout the round. He practices a couple times a week in most cases. And so, David, thank you so much for coming on the show. The one question that I always love to lead off with is, what do you have in terms of golf goals over your next kind of 12 months of playing? So the next 12 months, I'd really like to, to break into the single digits. Uh, that's a, a goal I started um, a couple of years ago, and I've been kind of progressing in the right direction. And, and as they say, the lower you go, the, the more difficult it gets. So I um, really want to try to shave that, that extra two or three strokes um, over the next year or so. Very cool. I know that we've talked a lot kind of in our Facebook group about making sure that you're, you're kind of doing all the little things to make sure that you're as prepared as possible. Things like keeping a golf journal and stuff like that. But have, do you have any other plan in place aside from maybe like a golf journal to help you get to that single digit mark? I, I do. I, I keep the, the journal with kind of some thoughts and things that work for me. Um, one thing I've, I've started doing more recently is a lot of uh, statistic tracking. Um, you know, there's a lot of different apps and technology out there, and I found one that kind of works for me, and it, it gives me a lot of uh, feedback with the clubs I'm playing and um, gives me that, that realistic knowledge. I mean, everybody thinks they, they probably hit the ball um, a little further than they actually do, so it's nice to <laughs> kind of have that stat tracker and and truth check and then when you're playing actually you know know for sure what you're gonna what your carry is gonna be and, and your rollout and things like that and and looking at the stats isn't it's worked well for me because it, it definitely defines the 
the things you need to you need to work on, um, the places you need to improve at in your game. So. Yeah, I always say, you know, if it gets measured, then it can be improved. Uh, you know, speaking of that stat tracking app that works best for you, which one is it? I use a, the ShotScope app, um, the kind of the GPS watch with the club tags on it. Gotcha. Yeah, I've, I have the Arcos. I forget what the full name is, but it's very similar. It's got the little yeah. near field communicator and you scan a club in and then you scan the next club in and it actually measures the distance between where you scan the first one and where you scan the next one. And so it gives you that, that nice accurate data, which like you said, is, is very, very helpful because everybody thinks they hit farther than they do. And when it comes to kind of generalized struggles, especially for higher handicappers, a lot of times it's like that machismo that kind of kicks in and they, they try to go for something that is probably a little bit outside of what their skill level is. And, you know, it ends up resulting in a big old number on that scorecard. When you're talking about, you know, this, this goal of getting down to, you know, that single digit mark and, you know, you've already laid out a couple things that you're doing in terms of how you plan on getting there. Why is single digits so important for you? <laughs> Not, not sure. I, I think that's a, and I don't know the exact numbers, but I, I've read and heard different things. I mean, the single digit I think is what defines people at kind of being at a, at a, at a really good skill level, um, puts you in a really elite kind of group. Um, and that's kind of my goal right now. You know, I, I don't know when I make that, what, what becomes your next goal. Um, I started this uh, taking golf serious probably two to three years ago. And when I first started playing, I, I went and took lessons with our club pro and he's like, well, what's your goal? And I was like, well, I want to, I want to break a hundred and I want to play around without, you know, losing two sleeves of balls. Um, and so he's like, okay, well, we'll get you there and, and, and then go from there. And sure enough, once you break a hundred then it's, you know, what well, I want to break 90 and, then you start thinking about, well, I want to get a handicap. And then when you're, I started off, my first handicap was a 26. So then it's like, okay, well, I want to be in the teens. You get in the teens and want to be in the single digits. And so my goal over the next year is to be single. Um, not sure where that ends up once you, once you reach that goal. So um, with kind of starting late in, later in life and at my age, um, you know, I, I don't know if it's, possible to get much lower um but we'll see well i think it's you know it's almost like driving on a highway you, you know you've got your one destination and you see all these road signs like oh yeah look at all this stuff that i have already accomplished and that i've you know that i've kind of put behind me I, I don't shoot in the hundreds anymore now i don't really shoot in the 90s anymore and you kind of keep seeing this stuff and then you see you know on the way to your destination oh well shooting par is only another you know, four miles up the road. Maybe I'll just yeah. stay on this highway. So I think to me, I would kind of look at that as my next goal. See if you can put, you know, start with nine holes. See if you can just put an even par nine holes together, then see if you can put it together for 18. And that's probably going to get you, you know, beyond that single digit handicap goal. And once you, you know, once you shoot par, nine <laughs> under par, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's just that it's easy. A, you just write it down and it happens eventually, right? <laughs> that's that's it. Uh, you know, one of the things when I first started trying to get more serious, I, I love Hogan's Five Lessons, and, and there's a line in there that, that I think in maybe in, in the uh, first few paragraphs of the book where he talks about, you know, there's no reason 
that uh, somebody that's in you know decent shape and goes about it smartly can't regularly shoot in the seventies. And at the time, I'd never broken a hundred, and I was like, man, this is this is crazy. Like, didn't think I would ever get there. So, um, you know, at the time, looking back at that, it's like, man, and I didn't think I would ever uh, be able to get down that low. So, uh, I guess anything's possible. So, absolutely. Talking about that kind of transition that you make is. You know, like you said just a couple minutes ago, you have not really been playing golf for that long. And to go from the really wet behind the ears, really green, new to the sport, and then going from first goal being let's just try and keep <laughs> keep the ball count to five yeah. or less, all the way now to like, hey, we just broke into the 70s. You know, what do you feel have been the big things that helped you get there? Because I think that's what a lot of people – they experience some of it or they might experience a piece of it, but they can never necessarily get like everything together. And so they just kind of stay in their, their little kind of score zone of, yeah, well, you know, I might shoot five over my handicap. I might shoot five under my handicap, but I never really make any progress. So what do you feel like were like kind of the big milestones or the big things that you achieved that really help you sustain this momentum and progress to where you are now? So there's a couple of things, Marty. One, one I'll, I'll credit directly to you and, and to the podcast and, and the Facebook group is is contact. Um, you know the, and it, it's been a while back that we were in the group and kind of talking about the short and the back swing and, and doing some of the powder drills and making sure that you're making solid contact with your irons, with your hybrids, driver, you know, whatever the club it is you've got to learn how to not overswing um, that, that nine to three drill probably six, eight months ago, maybe uh, was a, was a game changer for me. And it's like, yep. okay, well, I don't have to wind up the club like John Daly to hit the ball consistently and, and get it in play. And, and so, I mean, the making solid contact, advancing the ball um, in a controlled way is, is a big thing. Um, whenever I went and said, okay, I've got to learn how to chip the ball. Um, I do track a lot of stats and usually, uh, I, I use the system, but also I will take notes when I'm playing and I'll track, um, the strokes it takes to get me, um, you know, 30 to 40 yards from the green. Uh, I track my number of chips and my number of putts all in, in items on my scorecard. And, you know, a year ago, it wasn't nothing for me to get, you know, within 50 yards of the green and then take me two or three strokes to get actually on the green. I would over chip the green. I would, you know, duff shots. And if I wound up in a bunker, you know, that was usually a couple of shots to get out. And then I, I think the, a big jump for me in the last six months, you know, not only trying to get the, the iron strikes right, but dedicating a lot of practice time to those chips. You know, it is – I'll do it in the backyard with my kids. We have a little chipping area. Um, actually have a hitting mat in the garage with a net. So it's a lot of times learning, you know, how to chip and what works well for me and what I can do every time to where, you know, once I'm inside 50 yards, it's one shot and, and then you're putting. Um, I think if people – kept track of that it would surprise you you know how many how many strokes do you pick up you know a lot, I heard a lot of guys that are trying to get to that point you'll shoot a 92 93 and then all of a sudden you go back and look and it's like well 
know, three or four times I chipped and it didn't land on the green and I had to take another stroke when I chipped again. So, I mean, uh, you know, you, you can't overstate. I know everybody says, hey, short game's where it's at, but I, I think it's hard to overstate the importance of, of getting the putter in your hand and then, you know, making sure you know how to utilize the putter. I mean, that, that's, that's kind of the third thing is just looking at uh, shot scope earlier today and over my last 20 rounds, I'm, I'm averaging about uh, 1.8 or 1.7 putts per hole. So, nice. you know, it, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's keeping it down. I like to eliminate three putts altogether, but unfortunately, you know, we, we still miss some, some balls when you're 40, 50 foot out, you know, sometimes lagging those close become a little difficult and you'll pick up a three putt or a couple of three putts around, but um, you know, as long as you can get a couple of one putts, you can kind of stay around that two average. And I think that's, I think that's a, a spot you have to be at. You have to be able to, you know, get it up. When you're 50 yards and in, you need to be in the hole in three. And I think if you can do that, you're, you're playing bogey golf. I mean, uh, and that was a huge step for me, just getting down to, to playing bogey golf. And, well, and know, so that's just to kind of like reiterate for everybody. Cause I like, I, I love numbers. It sounds like you're a numbers yeah. person too. <laughs> yeah. So if, if you're 50 yards away and you get on the green every single time and you're have a 1.7 or 1.8 putts per green, you're going to flip probably two, if not three of those for pars every single round just because you're playing smart yeah there was a exactly and and there was a time man not long ago to where like a par was exciting i mean it was and and i still get jacked if it's you know if you sink a long putt or hit a good chip but um you know pars were kind of few and far between and now you know as you kind of progress it's like okay well it's just you, you and i think a lot of it too it starts to deal with confidence. Like, you know, Hey, I'm on the green. I expect to be in the hole in two putts anywhere on the green or, yep. you know, I've, I've got a wedge from five or six or eight foot off or whatever it is. It's like, look, I expect to get up and down. And, and I think, um, you know, being able to visualize that and, and have confidence in yourself that you can do that makes a huge difference. So just to, I just want, you to give your opinion on this because I say it all the time. And I think, you know, people get numb to my voice <laughs> saying it sometimes. So when you were talking about like the nine o'clock to three o'clock being a really big game changer, really helping you hit a lot more solid with that abbreviated. And I, I use that term loosely, but with that shortened swing, that more controlled swing, what percent of your average distance do you think you retained? Honestly, I think I picked up distance. Um, my distance in 19 versus my distance in 20, I picked up um, yardage on every club in my bag from making solid contact, you know, and it, it sounds uh, counterintuitive, you know, and my golf buddies would talk about it on the course all the time. It's like, oh, you know, swing easier and the ball will go further. And it, it's very counterintuitive and it's, it's hard to stand over a ball and kind of realize that, but the hitting the ball, in the sweet spot or, or getting a solid strike on the club face, even at a, even at a kind of re, a reduced pace or I don't, I don't want to stay slower swing speed. I still try to swing hard when I swing. I just, I have less, as you shorten that swing, in my opinion, especially in the backstroke, you have less room for error and it's easier to get the club face square 
onto the ball with a little shorter backswing, um, with that little more simplified motion. Amen. <laughs> now, I like the way the reason, and I'm I'm not actually surprised that you're getting more distance because two things tend to kick in there. So when we when we have a shorter, more controlled swing, a lot of times subconsciously you're less tense, and so loose muscles move faster than tense muscles. So you may not feel like you're imparting as much force into the ball, but in reality, if you're measuring club head speed the actual club is moving ever so slightly faster than it was when you're kind of white knuckling it because you don't have as fluid of a transition between all of your mechanical parts. The other thing, and you touched on it is that when you hit the middle of the ball, you're using the, or when you hit the middle of the club face, you're using the tool exactly the way it's designed. If you swing a hundred miles an hour and you hit it on the toe, you're probably only going to have maybe 88 to 90% of that speed transferred into the ball. But if I swing at 90 miles an hour and I hit it smack dab in the middle, I'm going to have a much larger transfer of that energy into the ball, which is why, you know, people might get a little sick of hearing it, but I harp on it all the time. Nine o'clock to three o'clock can win you tournaments. I mean, I've, I've watched major tournaments on TV where, you watch the winner and it's like, boy, like, did he ever really get his hands behind it? Like his knees. It seemed like they're just not coming back at all. And you know, whether it's windy conditions and they want to stay focused on solid contact and control and a penetrating ball flight, or whether it's something like the U S open where it's extremely punitive to miss your target. They, they just kind of revert to this. It's almost like a defensive swing, where they're just trying to make solid contact because they know that it's going to have a much smaller variance in terms of their outcome. So I'm, I'm really, really glad to hear that. <laughs> well, I, I'm not sure where he ranks that, but I mean, you can look at John Rom and he doesn't overswing the club yeah. and it's a, you know, he's probably, I don't top 10, top 15 or something like that in driving distance. I mean, he doesn't, he's a monster. he doesn't take a huge, yeah, he doesn't take a huge overswing. I mean, you watch him play it, it looks like a looks like a really short backswing and and but he's making solid contact every time so well you mentioned that you're still having some blow-up holes and some kind of random shots that get away from you can you kind of explain that in a little bit more detail I, yeah I still managed to pick up um some triples here and there and a lot of it I think is looking for a good way to stay focused when playing it is those those holes to where in, in minus setup. Like I have, I, I did a couple of weeks ago after I think listening to one of the podcasts or one of the discussions in the group. I finally I finally went and wrote out in my little book like this is what you do before every shot. Oh, I love um, to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and it was you know you would have these random days like I would I, you know one weekend I'd be. Brady's we play a couple days later and it'd be a mid 90s and it's like okay there's just too much inconsistency going on um and so I did you know right out on the range okay this is what I need to do every shot and started doing that and and that's that's helping some I still have to maintain that um because the other part I guess that happens with me is the difference between playing a round of golf and playing fix your swing or, 
or having driving, you, you have to define when I'm going to play and, and when I'm going to work on my swing yes. and when I'm going to, you know, try to change things that, that will tend to creep in um, to me on the golf course. If I hit a bad shot, it's very hard to let it go. You get on the next tee box, you start analyzing and going, Hey, this is, you know, I need to tuck, I need to tuck here. I need to rotate here. I didn't get my weight shift. And when you start having you know, multiple swing thoughts, it's, there's no way you can, you can execute a, a really good swing if you're thinking five or six or seven different things and you're trying to fix all those. Um, and that's kind of part of my mental – when I use that, when I have a blow-up hole, that's usually where it's at. Um, I've gotten much better at, at not going after the hero shots. Um, nice. Oh, and, and like I play golf and there are some older guys at our course. I, I actually played around this morning with the, with the gentleman that's it's a retired Navy guy. It's, you know, probably in his mid seventies, um, not explosive off the tee. Um, I could hit it past him off the tee, but every time we were on the, but he just racked up pars all day long and he either hit the green with the hybrid or a long iron, or if he'd come up short, he chipped it within a foot and, you know, I think that there's something that um, guys, especially that are real gung ho, like playing with guys like that every once in a while to kind of get that input of like, you know what, you don't have to, you don't have to be hitting 280, 290, 300 to par holes out. And I think realizing that is, is a spot I'm kind of getting to um, and then be able to focus on, on playing those shots. So when we're talking about, you know, how these, these holes kind of slip away from you. Do you find that it's normally one specific bad shot that you can't let go of? Or is it like, Oh man, I should have had par back there. It ended up being bogey. And then you kind of mindlessly walk through two or three shots and you're like, Oh, Holy shit. I'm not even on the green and it's four. Like yeah. which, which kind of path I, do you find yourself falling down? More I, often? You know, usually I try to, I can, once the hole's over, um, I can let it go. It affects me more during the hole. So um, my, my home course um, here in Texas is Cypress Lakes, and it's called Cypress Lakes for a good reason. There is, there is a lot of water. There's not a lot of uh, carry water, but almost every, fair, almost every fairway has water left or right. So, you know, the first time you put a ball in the water, you know, you got to take your drops, so and now you've lost your shot, and, and you start kind of, for me, it, it's, it's chasing it or trying to catch up on that hole. And, and it's like, okay, well, now I've got to crush something, you know, really long and, and gotcha. try, to, to try to get back in it. Now, once the hole's over, I, I've gotten a little bit better and said, okay, well, now we're going to play the next hole and kind of let that go. Most of my – when I blow a hole up, you know, double or triple, it's usually like a progression of those shots in that hole. And – you know, there's also sometimes I, I, I doubled a hole this morning, um, actually doubled the finishing hole, hit not a great tee shot, um, crushed a three hybrid. Uh, I'd already figured, all right, well, I'm going to make a, a bogey on this hole for sure. Um, hit a, a monster three hybrid, um, wound up about, you know, 10 feet and then three putted from inside 10 feet. <laughs> you know, and, and that, that was kind of like, and, and that was just a case of I did not hit a good lag putt. And then I'm like, oh, man, I just blew, you know, I had already mentally kind of accepted a bogey, and then I didn't focus on finishing the hole out when I had the opportunity to save a par. 
you know, that one was a little, that one was a little bit stressful. Um, so because then you feel like you waste a good shot. Yeah. When, when we're in situations like that and we're kind of playing catch up, I think it's really important. And we talked about like the cousin of this strategy in the group, but I don't think I necessarily talked too much about it in the group. Cause I think it's more of a process for, I think it's a process that that lower handicap golfers have a little bit better handle on and they're a little bit more familiar with, but the idea of a post shot routine. So we talk about pre-shot routine and you've now successfully mapped yours out. I would encourage you to do the same thing for a post shot routine. And that's, that's for whether it's good or it's bad. That's for like every single shot, because again, we want consistency. Even if, even if we have an amazing shot and we're like riding that emotional wave high up on that mountaintop, just like you were saying, you nuke that three hybrid into about 10 feet. And now you're like, hell yeah, I can make par your, you know, your eye kind of mentally comes off of, off of the goal of let's just stick to our pattern, stick to our routine, no highs, no lows. And then you accidentally, you know, stab it five, six feet by the hole. And now you're like, oh crap. Now I've really got to scramble here. So a post shot routine can really, really help out. And what like personally what mine is, and I borrowed this from a book that Tiger Woods wrote probably 15 years ago. I think it's called golf my way. Um, But I take 20 steps to think about the previous shot. I can curse it. I can praise it. I can tease my playing partners about how much closer it was or about how I got totally screwed and I hit that tree and it bounced 60 yards further into the woods. I got 20 steps to relive that shot. And then it's on to what am I going to do next? And if I'm in or on or around the green, we go from 20 steps to about 20 seconds just to kind of give myself a little bit of time to, you know, to feel the emotion and say, you know what? I'm upset because I can do better. I still have an opportunity to come through. Let's see how I, what I need to do to come through with this next shot. Something along the lines of just recognizing, you know, what you did, how it made you feel. And then you can have that thought about what you're going to do next time, but you really want to kind of keep it rather brief and then work towards what, not what am I going to do next time, but what am I going to do for this next shot? and to kind of refocus and get yourself back in that mindset. Yeah, that definitely sounds like something I probably need. Um, I, I'll put some thought into that so if I can't come up with something. I'll say the steps are harder in text because it's up in the up in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> definitely I need to come up with a routine for a while. Yeah, I think it's something that, that a lot of people just overlook, just out of, out of habit, and for whatever reason, they did it whatever way they've always done it, and – it's just something that they don't think about, but I think it's a rather easy thing to do because you don't have to think about swing mechanics or anything. You just gotta, you just gotta yeah. do it, you know. And it's it's not the end of the world in that respect. You just have to kind of work towards making that part of your golfing habit. Yeah, that, is, that sounds like something I definitely need to to look at incorporating. Yeah. And like the other thing that kind of goes along with that is that if we're, if we're working on our post shot routine, this can be something that we just automatically dovetail into the pre-shot routine of the next shot. So you've already got your pre-shot routine mapped out. Yeah. I would encourage you to maybe for your next round of golf, just pay attention to 
what that kind of emotional roller coaster feels like. So you can be aware of what your reactions are. Cause that's really kind of step one is recognizing your reactions. You know, you might be a person who is more vocal about it. You might be a person that like kind of gets inward and down on themselves. So recognizing what that kind of immediate knee jerk reaction is, is step one. And then, you know, figuring out where that falls on the, on like the emotional scale of like zero being totally calm and 10 being fire shooting out your ears angry and just kind of recognizing where you land on that spectrum. And then from there trying to figure out what it is that kind of continues to distract you from that next shot. And the tough part is like, you know, you have to kind of listen to yourself when, when everything's going wrong. And that's the hardest time to listen to yourself <laughs> is when, when the wheels are falling off. But to kind of listen to yourself when everything is going wrong so you can recognize what that is, see the pattern, and then work on leveling that out. And like I said, if you can figure out a way, and it's different for every person, but if you can figure out a way to tie that into the beginning of your pre-shot routine for the next shot, then you're going to be going like gangbusters because that's, that's really kind of like the ultimate process you finish one shot, you have a routine and it automatically just sucks you into the first step of your next shot. That's kind of the, the Goldilocks zone. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely have to do that and figure out, figure out a good routine for that. Cause there's not a, that, that's one thing on the golf course. I'm not, a, I think a lot of the groups, maybe a fairway over will know um, when I hit a bad shot. So I'm, I'm a little <laughs> bit, a little bit more and I'm not sure if that's the right way. I probably should enjoy the good shots more. Um, my couple of my playing partners, we, we joke as we've progressed the last couple of years, we used to get um, in regulation. And then you start going like, okay, well, man, I, I wish that had been closer to the pin. <laughs> same, same thing happens to me. Well, I, I, I don't want to keep you forever here, David. I really, really appreciate your time and you jumping on the show. Uh, I What I do want to hear, though, is I want to hear – for the next time you go out and play, what is your next step that you're taking towards improvement? Um, I, I think the next step is to start trying to what that what that post shot evaluation process um, and kind of working on that transition. And sitting here actually now as we're talking of, of some things to try work through that. Um, and then you know uh, I think there's always a little little room for improvement in lag put. So I had my eight-year-old out on the putting green this afternoon working on uh, the, uh, the ladder drill. So nice. they enjoy that. Some kudos on that one. Well, I'm, I'm always happy to hear that, that golf is bringing <laughs> people together because that's, that's really what it did for, for me and my dad. You know, we, like, we had a whole new relationship after I started playing golf. So that's absolutely awesome to hear, David. I'd love to hear that. Well, hey, thank you again. And for anybody else who wants to have a call like this with me, it's super easy. All you got to do is go to golfstrategyschool.com slash interview, and you can see all of my, you know, all of my schedule right there. You can book right, right there on the fly with me, and, you know, hopefully I can help you straighten out your game a little bit. All right, everybody. Until next time, I will catch you in the short grass. Cheers. All right, everybody. Thank you again to David for coming on the show. And I hope you were able to kind of share or at least hear some of the big takeaways there because David's in a kind of unique spot. He just started taking golf seriously a couple of years ago, and he's gone all the way from losing six balls per round and not breaking 100 
to now breaking 80 in just that short period of time. And what I really took away from that is the fact that he has really focused on making sure his contact is solid and not overswinging and trying to kill the ball. Making sure that he's actually getting on the green in one shot from inside of 50 yards. And making sure that as much as he can, he doesn't three-putt anymore. And so those are obviously three huge keys to making that transition to consistently playing in the 80s. And I just wanted to let you all know that right now we have a 4th of July sale going on on our Breaking 90 Blueprint. And that is exactly where I teach you how to hit more consistently, hit solid more consistently. You know, he talked about our 9 o'clock to 3 o'clock drill. That's exactly where it comes from. He talked about making sure that he gets on the green in the first time when he's chipping inside of 50 yards. That's exactly one of the things we go over. We have something called the chipping ladder where we go through and practice hitting specific zones on the green so we can become more proficient in terms of getting on the green. And he talked about eliminating as much as you can three putts. And we spend a lot of time on putting, not just eliminating the three putts by lagging better, but making sure that we're getting very, very confident on our you know, four or five foot putts as well. So if you would like more information on our Breaking 90 Blueprint, all you got to do is go to golfstrategyacademy.com slash break90. You can learn all about it there. And again, it is on sale for half price. That's just $98. Uh, normally, sell it for $197. $197, that might get you a round of golf at a super fancy course. You know what? $98, you easily can spend $98 playing one round of golf at a municipal course with drinks. So you can make this investment once and play better golf for the rest of your life. Again, if you want more information about that, golfstrategyacademy.com slash break90, and it'll be in the show notes as well. All right, everybody. Cheers. All right, thanks for listening to this episode of Golf Strategy School. As always, if you want to keep it in the short grass, all you got to do is put those lessons into effect. And if you want to see exactly how you fare in terms of your physical performance to other golfers your age, head over to par4success.com slash griffin, and you'll be able to see exactly where you line up and match up with other golfers your age based off of this this free performance assessment that Chris and his team has put together. Again, that's parforsuccess.com slash Griffin to see exactly how well you line up against all their golfers your age. And I'll just drop a link to it in the show notes.